it's my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. Today, you've got Jeff and Diego, and we're going to talk about coffee, food, and alcohol. Literally the three reasons I travel the world. Friends, great, but coffee, food, and alcohol, those are tops. So, Diego, we've been excited to talk about, in particular, coffee. We were, we were going to just do a coffee-only episode, but I figured it would have been like 15, 20 minutes of just describing the flavor of coffee. And I think we'd probably lose a few people. So I figured we'd probably expand the audience a little bit into food and alcohol and, and maybe get a, a few more listeners to this one. Personally, I thought it was a good idea, but I see I see your point. Also, this is a topic that has been coming up on just about every other podcast we've been talking about. And Marissa told us to finally go off on our own and have this little podcast to ourselves. And so that's why Marissa is not going to be on this one. And we are going to be nerding out about coffee and our favorite places. And yes, food and alcohol. What is it about? And it's it's probably a good thing. Love having Marissa on the show, but she does not care about coffee. And At all. honestly, Marissa, I know when you hear this, I don't I'm not even ashamed. I don't care if you hear it. You can't <laughs> trust somebody that doesn't drink coffee. You really can't. There's something there's something going on there. I don't know what's going on. We're going to have to <laughs> fix her. We're going to have to get her. We're going to have to get her through all three generations of coffee or what is it? Generations or is it like gen phases, one, gen right? two? Yeah. 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 Right. Right. We waves, talked about those, waves. Didn't we? F- That's it. I think waves. it's the waves, right? First, first mm-hmm. wave coffee was Folgers out of the can, the stuff that our, our parents would drink. That is just swilled out of sewer water. Second gen was the Starbucks era, right? When you start getting lattes and cappuccinos and all that kind of stuff in like in major and it's like mass produced and then third wave is the stuff that we're into explain that to me real quick right so that's the the hipster cafes and it's really what came out of i i think it comes came out of mostly australia where they were starting to really experiment and get super fancy with you know the chemex and the, the best ways i think so i think so yeah you know somebody who actually knows their their shit about coffee is going to jump in and and tell us we're wrong and and prove everything is actually a bit different, but I, th- I think that's what I heard. So yeah, and there's, you know, all of the different ways to extract coffee and these, you know, finer nuances, all the different tones and then the latte art and, and getting, getting really fancy about, about how to do that. So I think I'll, I would also say that this, this sort of the, the style of, of coffee that we're talking about here also is where you try to figure out how you can get the flavor, the best flavor out of the bean that comes both in how it's prepared, but then also how the bean is obviously, you know, where the beans from is, is something that a lot of people talk about, but then also the, uh, the roast of the bean makes a big difference, right? So you can get this great bean from different places. If you over roast it, it's all going to taste the same, which is, which has really been Starbucks's mm-hmm. approach over the years to get some standardized flavor that you just add sugar to and job done. Right. But yeah, so it's kind of like th- thinking about all of those three different layers, you've got where the beans from, how it's roasted and the lighter roasts usually give you more of these flavor nuances. And then the third component is how it's prepared, right? How are you extracting the coffee from the, from the bean at the end of the day? Okay. So let's talk categories today. We're going to go through, like we said, three categories. We're going to talk about coffee. Um, we're going to talk about food 
and we're going to talk about booze. And each one of these categories, we're going to talk about the best and worst that we've had. The best and worst, this is a digital nomad podcast. So we're going to talk about the best and worst places to go to get these coffee, food, or booze. And then we're going to share a brief anecdote story about each one of those things. So you've already started us in on coffee, fancy coffees. Let's jump right into that category. Diego, the best coffee you've ever had, where and explain. Wow. Can I give you four destinations? <laughs> Let's oh, start with the best. <laughs> hell yeah. They were, hell they yeah. were all contending. Fire them at me. Let's go. Look, the good part is that everyone's going to be able to put a bunch of places on their bucket list. And these really are going to be the top, top places to, to check out for great coffee. So the first time that my mind was, was blown with coffee was in, I'm going to go chrono- chronological, was in Thailand. I really did not expect it, but there are some of these. So I, I, you know, I hadn't heard of like coffee beans coming from Thailand. Like that's not a, a specific thing, right? But then there's these cafes there and they, they're sourcing beans from around the world and they're just doing magic with it, right? They had all sorts of different coffee cocktails. And then they, they, you know, they're doing all the other stuff too, but obviously they knew their their craft and, and perfect way of extracting flavor. And so, yeah, this was specifically in Chiang Mai. Unfortunately, off, off the top of my head, don't remember the cafe, but if you're there, you search coffee, you're going to find it. It's going to be the, you know, several cafes are amazing, but the top rated ones, right? So next up, I would say, Next up happened uh, in Bolivia, there was, so Bolivia didn't really have a big hipster ca- uh, cafe scene, which is usually a prerequisite to get to this kind of quality of coffee. And then at some point I, you know, they started to pop up and I, and I found them and I was like, oh my, I'm half Bolivian, right? So it was in my backyard and I didn't even realize the amazing quality of the, of the coffee that they were producing there, which is a combination of these high altitude beans that are being grown in the, in the high altitude jungle of Bolivia. And then just, you know, people just having figured out the right way to prepare it and doing all the, all the hipster magic on them. And by the way, this is not just personal bias. Uh, you know, I would, we do a chapter there a lot with Wi-Fi Tribe and people are raving about that coffee there too. So anyway, put that on your bucket list. Definitely worth it. What was after that? I would say Guatemala happened after that. We then, yeah, we went there and that coffee, again, it's like semi-high altitude. It's, you know, coffee that grows on the, on the, uh, on the side, on the slopes of a volcano. Like you just imagine the flavor that comes out of that kind of stuff, right? Amazing coffee as well. And then the last one I, I visited was that we went to Bucharest in Romania. And I was just like, what is this amazing coffee doing here? Truly one of the best coffees I, I ever had there. A hole in the wall. They didn't even have tables or seats in the cafe. You just had it. And it, it was always just a group of people sitting outside um, having that coffee. So again, Romania, obviously not a producer of coffee, but they do know how to make it. I don't know what happened there in the culture. At some point, there, there was an obsession with third wave coffee and it's just flooded. Bucharest and, and Romania in general, right? So, so, so unexpected. I, I mean, sitting down to drink some of the best coffee you'll ever have in the world, you'll observe apartment buildings built pre, pre and during communist era, literally falling into the street, possibly into your coffee at the same time. And yet the coffee scene is <laughs> out of this freaking world. <laughs> out of this world. True story. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. I've got two. The first one, I'm going to say, I'm actually going with the States. I'm going to go San Francisco. Probably a homer call a little bit because I'm born and raised in this area. But I got to say, it got me into third wave coffee. And specifically one brand did it, Phil's Coffee. And they were the first brand that I know of that did pour over coffee. They actually did the V60 
coffees. And that's the way we talked about it earlier. It's the slow pour over and it's a really, really good way of extracting flavor from the coffee. Added bonus, it'll get you totally jacked. Like you're going to want to do everybody's homework after you drink a, a big old cup of blue bottle. Or I'm sorry, not blue bottle. That's, that's another good one. Phil's coffee. So Phil's coffee is great. Lots and lots of different flavors. You'll find them in coffee trucks. And I think they're popping up all over the place in the States. I've got two. I'm going to go. I did not make it to four, but I've got I've got two. The second one was in a place near Jardin in Colombia. And it was a it was not an actual cafe, but rather it was a guy that runs a coffee shop. And I think he was uh, he's just like a producer and a sourcer. And he came to the Airbnb that we're staying at and he gave us a demonstration of all of his coffees and all of the different ways to prepare them. So he actually brought us up there, had us weigh the beans and had us prepare it Chemex style, had us prepare it French, French press style and pour over style. And so a lot of points for the ambiance and for the presentation, a lot of points on top of that for the actual flavor. Really, really good experience. Fun little anecdote on that. He, this was in Colombia and they've got a different type. They've got a, a high altitude bean, very acidic. And he said that they went to Italy. His, his group of people that were, were producing coffee went to Italy and they had to wear shirts that said, acid is good because the Italians absolutely hate acidic tasting coffee. And that's like purely what they made there. So he said like, that is the way it's supposed to taste. I'm getting very territorial about their coffee. Okay. That's best coffees. Let's go to the best city for coffees. If you were to pick a city where you just want to aim and shoot in any freaking direction you want, and you want to find a good coffee, Diego, which co- which city are you going to go to? So it's going to be um, Bucharest again. You you just cannot fail there. Oh, and in Bucharest, Cluj, I think in Romania in general. So that's that you're never going to miss coffee there in, in whatever direction you go. Guatemala has been incredible. Any place that you go into has really good coffee, like on average. And then uh, Bali, probably, you know, hop on your scooter, go, go anywhere. And you're probably going to find Surprising. a cafe with really good coffee. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Romania is two for two so far. Actually, right. mm-hmm. I, I've, yeah, I would put them in there too. They're two for two. They're cleaning out the Oscars this year. Looking good. I'm going <laughs> to go, I'm just going to choose one because it was honestly, it was an easy call for me. Did you go to Brashov when you're in Romania? No, 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 no. Surprising. Okay. So Old okay. Town Brashov very small. You can run the entire perimeter in half an hour. So that's that's how big Old Town Brashov is. Within Old Town Brashov, there are probably a half a dozen specialty coffee shops, each of which have offer V60 pour over. So that's like the gold standard for me. If a coffee shop offers a V60 pour over, I'm saying, okay, they probably have some good stuff. They've got some good beans. You're going to get a good coffee there. They've got maybe six of them. And at each one of those coffee shops, they allow you to choose the type of bean that you want. And in one of them in particular, I would say I want a V60 pour over. And you could see his eyes light up. Like he's, oh my God, it's a coffee guy. It's a coffee nerd, fellow coffee nerd. And he pulls out these tiny little packages shipped in from all over the world that each um, it, each one of these things is good for like one pour over. There's like maybe a few grams in that at the very most. 
And so all told, I think I had like 25 different types of varieties to choose from to get my pour overs. It's incredible. It Total shock, like all of Romania, Brashov, an absolute shock that this tiny little city had nothing but specialty coffee to offer. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So from what you've said, hey, we're literally going to be doing a chapter there at some point because I heard it's, yeah, incredible coffee, great destination. Mm-hmm. Side note for Digital Nomads, just go to Bradshaw. They're building an international airport there, despite Bucharest's best efforts to block that, which is another funny story we're not going to get into today. But go to Bradshaw, Wi-Fi Tribe. You, you got to do a chapter there. It's got everything that you're looking for. Okay, so let's go. We did best. Let's go to worst. What is the worst coffee you've had? What's the worst city for coffee? Hit me in any order, however you want to do it. Yeah, you know what? I I was thinking a lot about this one because you can you can have a have a bad coffee just about anywhere. But I think I think it's more relevant to think, right. you know, what's where where do you get a bad coffee where you think you should be getting good coffee? Because I think that that's <laughs> probably more more helpful to know. You know what? I was really quite surprised with I have to say quite surprised with Cape Town, and I think it is because I had these really high expectations of of Cape Town and, and the coffee scene there. But I feel like that third wave of coffee hasn't reached Cape Town really, right? They're only oh. only just starting to, to scratch the surface of it. And so yeah, just, just waiting for them to, to reach that. So that's the worst coffee city. That's not necessarily the worst cup of coffee you've ever had. Exactly, exactly. Look, worst cup of coffee. Okay, okay, I've got a brilliant one for you. Worst cup of coffee. Have you heard of Blue Mountain Coffee? Is that a thing? It's the Jamaica coffee. As, yeah. yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go, okay, right? Tell, okay, tell, tell the listeners about Blue Mountain. That's interesting. Okay, well, I mean, Blue Mountain is a oh wow. Now, now this is a massive story to get into. Let's let's do the the really quick uh, summary of that. Blue Mountain is by far the worst weekend trip experience that I think I have ever done. We did this on a chapter with with Wi-Fi Tribe. I am shamelessly going to associate the two things together. But yeah, it was something that we all organized as a group. Went over there. We had high hopes and dreams for it. Was going to be a place where we'd climb up this mountain and you know overnight one of those night hikes. And then imagine, you know, the mount, the biggest mountain in Jamaica, you're right at the top and you're going to be seeing the the sunrise from up there. You're going to be looking all around like it's, you know, you're going to imagine it's the most stunning thing ever. And of course, for some reason, somebody said there was going to be coffee on top and, you know, everybody knows about Blue Mountain Coffee. It's, it's got this, uh, got this reputation. I don't think they already. do. Yeah. Nope? Tell, okay. Tell, I don't think everybody well, so, knows about Blue Mountain Coffee. So, I mean, officially Blue Mountain Coffee, well, Blue Mountain Coffee has this reputation that's kind of it's, it's something that's being exported a lot to the to the US or at least at the time it was quite popular and so that was already something that was being pushed a lot you know with as a tourist attraction so we thought oh cool we're going to get to the top and they said we're going to have coffee at the top it must be amazing right so you really have this you have this expectation and then I'm telling you the, the oh wow the trip off you're in Jamaica everything's warm you drive up there you get there at 1 a.m. 2 a.m. in the morning it already took us like 7 hours to even drive there in the first place we then have to start hiking at 1 a.m. And we thought actually we we're going to get there, sleep for a while, and then start to hi- the hike, you know, early in the morning to see the sunrise. Now we had to hike right away. Everybody, you know, with pillows in hand and and just hiking up the mountain for about two hours and, and, at 1 a.m. And uh, we finally get to the place where we're going to sleep. And we're like, okay, great. We're going to be able to rest. We're, we're there. It's, the, it's this tiny, you know, 15 of us is this tiny little hut. 
And it is like literally big enough for all 15 of us to lie, you know, basically spooning side by side to fill the whole hut. And instead of beds, we've got these, you know, the really, really thin gym mattresses, like that's lining the floor. That's what we're on. There's no blankets whatsoever. At this point, it's actually really, really cold, despite being Jamaica, because you're up in a mountain, right? And so the only guy that was able to, to sleep that night was the was the driver, actually. And, and he was snoring so loudly. So between the cold and the snoring, it was just nobody got any sleep. So you're lying there for, for three hours, just like, you know, freezing, yeah. wishing for this to continue so you can finally move. We get up, we keep hiking. Finally, you know, everyone's at least like got enough energy to try to get excited for the sunrise. As we're hiking up, we start to feel just a little bit of rain. Like it's going to be fine, right? Get to the top. First of all, there's no coffee. Secondly, like the only hut has no roof. And then it starts to just rain really hardcore and of course sunrise comes and goes you don't see a thing like we're just inside the cloud and then walk back down well ultimately we gave up so we walked back down and it it was just i have never been so wet i was like i was wet to my bones we 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 were we couldn't make it all the way down so we literally stopped in the same hut again yeah basically ended up trauma bonding over the fact that we were all freezing and had to figure out alternative ways to to survive together It, it has gone down in wi-fi tribe history as one of the most renowned, iconic, failed weekend experiences that has turned out <laughs> as one of the best, most memorable things we've done on a human level, but it has been a nightmare, right? Anyway, all that to say, there on that mountain, when we came back down and we were like at the end of all of our energy and destroyed, the only thing we were looking forward to was coffee. And they said, yes, don't worry, we've got the coffee. So, you know, we're, we're there freezing. There's no blankets, nothing. We're like, we've taken off our wet clothes just to stay warm and huddled up together. The guy comes in with coffee. Everyone's hearts are lifted. And then you get the coffee and it's like this, this paper cup with the grind all inside the coffee and just some hot water thrown on it. <laughs> it was the worst thing ever. Oh, so there you go. No. There's my worst cup of coffee. It took a while to tell that story, but it was, it was, you know, and this is your Blue Mountain coffee. So I, I it cannot, it could not have been any more, you know, I, iconic. It was great. Right, apart from I that. I can confirm in the yeah. States, real quick, I can confirm yeah. in the States, Blue Mountain coffee is getting pushed on us hard. The same okay. best coffee that i that i have the one i I mentioned phil's coffee that does the pour over offers a 13 dollar cup of coffee from blue mountain and my friend actually had it so i had a full i i got a full review live and he says that um yeah it was okay (laughs) it was was well you know what it it was okay it it wasn't even okay (laughs) not for us up there (laughs) but but that's interesting. I didn't even know that they were selling for those kind of prices. So now you know, right? That was the expectation that people had. Yeah, the other one I wanted to squeeze in there when it comes to just like not so spectacular coffee cities. Honestly, like most places in Italy, I was quite surprised as well. And I, I think it's because Italy is obviously so known for its coffee, right? They're the ones that and invented the espresso. And I, I'm a big fan of flat whites or cappuccinos. Like that's the only thing that I do. So I'll try that everywhere and, and I'll compare everything to that. And yeah, in Italy, they just use these really, really dark roast beans. Like it's even called an Italian roast. I think it's one of the darkest roasts you can get, which basically just kills all of the flavor and just leaves you with like a flavor of burnt bean at the end of the day, right? Yeah, it's standard, but it's just burnt bean basically. And so, you know, coming back to Italy, I thought, oh, well, this is the the country of coffee. It's going to be amazing here, but but it wasn't. And you're really going to struggle to find some of that third wave stuff or, you know, some with lighter roasts where you can taste all those flavors because it's just something that the local, yeah. that the locals just aren't looking for, right? It's just different flavors. At Surprising. The 
surprising. I, I had a very hard... I actually did not succeed in finding any good third wave. Yeah. Job. In Florence, in Florence, there was big that city. one Artigianale. Actually yeah. had... There's three Artigianales, and there was the only place I could find a V60 pour-over. And it was fine but i mean the the coffee drinking in italy is just walk into a little cafe bar stand at the bar pay a year slap down a euro and you just slam an espresso that's coffee drinking in in italy and i i expected this big grand you know sourced coffee and and preparation no that's that's it it was a disappointment but it was also like okay i I can't be too disappointed. That's their culture. And I had came in with a weird expectation that it was going to be something exactly. completely different than it was. And that's yeah. always what it's about, right? It's, it's that balance of like expectations versus what actually is the local culture. And, you know, look, look at us here. We're, we're sitting here and being super snobby about coffee. At the end of the day, we are imposing our the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. And okay with that. <laughs> but, I'm okay but it with is. It. I'm okay with it. But it's important to remember that, you know, it's, it's it's also a matter of what the local flavors are, what the local culture is, what they want, right? At the end of the day, you're not going to build out this fancy mm-hmm. third wave coffee if nobody wants it locally, right? If they just, and, and Italians are very proud of the original recipe, the way that the nonna made it, you know, the grandma, the grandma made it. You don't change the original Italian yeah. recipe. So I think that that's a big part yeah. of why they're, you know, all these things are going to be staying there a little bit longer and, and, and they're going to be less likely to try something, something that comes from the outside. So that's, that's my take on it. My two cents. But yeah. Back to you, Jeff. A city that has no excuse for having no good coffee. Boston, Massachusetts does not care about good coffee. I found one specialty coffee place and it was like specialty coffee in that they would do a little bit of latte art. Like it was, it was not, it was not good. They do not care. It is not a cultural thing where they have it a specific way. They have Dunkin' Donuts. If you can call that a, a cultural thing it's dunkin donuts coffee i mean it is pure utility it is inject caffeine into my veins don't give a shit how it tastes that's boston super disappointing and no excuse because it is a major coastal city that is super bougie in other areas but they just forgot about coffee it's disgusting it's it's really a disappointment <laughs> look at this worst cup of <laughs> shameless like this is going to be a shameless podcast i'm going to be honest i'm going to be completely honest with you with my shamelessness worst cup of coffee that i've had i'm going to say anything that's italian espresso machine i cannot stand the way that that comes out i think it comes out like absolute sludge and i i hate to do this because we've got a lot of podcasts left and you're going to be staring at me with anger but the bolivian coffee a lot of it does come out of the Italian... The mocha pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mocha 100%. pot. And I will say that that flavor just absolutely does not do it for me. It's that thick sludge. It's sludgy, yeah. Way, way acidic. And it's and you have to cut it with water to make it palatable. I, for me, it's 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 a no-go. I mean, it's, it's probably an acquired thing. Again, cultural thing. And I am imposing my tastes on an entire other culture no I, look you're, i'm not i'm not even gonna defend, defend that you're 100 right about that the the, the the great coffee that i've had there was in this one you know hipster third wave style cafe but no they were they were using the proper stuff they weren't using the the mocha pot to prepare it but yeah that's the style in, in bolivia you got the mocha pot and out comes your your sludgy super dark highly caffeinated thing and then you have yep. to see what you do with it so that you can special recognition to bolivian coca tea 
it's actually illegal in the States. They make it out of the coca plant. So technically it has too much quote unquote cocaine in it for the United States, <laughs> not in Bolivia. It is, yeah, it's, it's a tea with the coca plant leaves and it's worth a special mention because it tastes really nice. Gives you like a nice little like under coffee buzz. It's good. It's really good tea. I'm not a buzzes? tea person. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Somebody probably injects a little caffeine in there. We did it. We made it through coffee. Okay. I'm really glad that we did this. We've still got two categories left. This was the most important for me. Don't give up on us now for you foodies out there, alcohol drinkers out there. We're jumping into food next. Okay. So first question that I've got for you, let's, let's start off weird. What is the mm. weirdest food that you've had where traveling, where and why? Where and why? Okay. So it was in Oaxaca and we got this, this amazing, what's it called? The, the guacamole. And they had uh-huh. these, they had these little bits inside. I ate it. I was like, oh, these bits are sour. It tastes great. Right. Started to look at one of them a little, a little bit closer and you've got a, you've got crickets, right? They call them chapulines and chapulines. I don't know how they make them sour. <laughs> I, I don't know if they make them sour or they're naturally sour. No idea. And you know what? My, I was a little bit weirded out by it, but it was so delicious that it, I didn't care. So yeah, that's Oaxaca for you. I, I like, I like the Oaxaca Chapulina. I mm-hmm. think I had developed a, a palate for it because it's so standard to come with mezcal. Like a lot of times mm-hmm. when you get a little mezcal tasting, they'll bring out some chapulinas. And a lot of times it's dusted with a like a chipotle powder type of thing. And yeah, it's sour. It's weird. The legs Very taste weird. weird. Huh? The little legs yeah. in your mouth. A bit crunchy. Yeah, it's it's mm. a little crunchy. Yeah. Sometimes you're talking to somebody sour. and there's still like a little leg sticking out of your It's a good look for anybody. Okay, weirdest thing that I've had. I feel like I, I'm not very good at this category because I don't remember weird foods very well. But the first thing that came to mind was actually in Bolivia when we went to that 15 course tasting menu. Mm. And I actually had a tiny little sh- soft shell crab on top of like this. It was, it was like really cutting edge, fancy, like fine dining uh, tasting menu. And I think it was on like a seafoam bed or something like that but it was a whole crab and it was a little thing it was like if you were to take a silver dollar it's like a quarter but maybe twice the size that was the soft shell crab and you eat the whole thing you eat right through the shell you eat the legs you eat the the whole the whole mess of it i thought it was very very odd but it was also very very good qualifies for the the weirdest thing that i've had that yeah no that that uh, is weirder than my chapulines so that's a good one yeah, it's well. I mean, think you had an insect, and really the crab—that's just like a little sea spider. It's, <laughs> so it kind of—they're both insects, really. <laughs> they're they're brothers. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next category: best city overall for food for dining. Again, same thing that we're doing last time. Just pointing it in a direction. And I want to hit something good to eat. Okay. So I'm going to drop in a few again. And I think this is just going to be valuable for everybody to be able to, to have a few more on your bucket list. And it was just difficult to decide. But I would say fine dining, Lima, is a really interesting city because it's they've managed to, I wouldn't even say like the local food. They've got some great local food, especially ceviche. But what they managed to do incredibly well is they'll bring fruit, food from all over the world and then they'll make it in Lima. And it will taste amazing. Like there's something, they're just so incredibly good at making food taste great. 
right? So anywhere you go there, you're going to find fantastic food. What happens in these cities with really like a high standard of, of high quality standard of food is that a new restaurant comes in, it doesn't provide good food, it goes out of business, right? So it's like a self, it's like a positive cycle, right? It really forces all of the restaurants to just be really, really high quality, basically, right? Interesting. Is there one? Is there one particular restaurant that you remember that sticks out? No, I cu- I couldn't even. Re- I mean, it's been a long time ago. I just remember we were eating our way through Lima for a month. You can. That's fair. The, can- the question was best overall city, so that's yeah. Go go to Lima. Go to Lima for for good food. Covered in it, yeah. And then I, I think I'm going to give a, an honorable mention to to Bali for sure as well. Bali's got like it's got its local food, its local Indonesian food thing going, and then. Apart from that, you've got like this healthy wave of food that's come in and then just all kinds of other just delicious food as well. Not fine dining, but it's just just great food, just good quality food, all at, at good prices as well. So you can you can eat your heart out in Bali for sure. And then I've heard gonna, that. I mm-hmm. still haven't made it to Bali. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's nuts. Uh, that's I know. Crazy. I know. As a digital nomad, that's almost like. That's stop number one. It's a rite of passage. People, yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, it's I Bali know, and Bolivia. Right. It's, it's really those two places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Haven't been to Bolivia. I'd say that is a rite of passage and that is a must for all digital nomads. You, you got to <laughs> got to get that out of your system. I mean, it's you. just Appreciate it's that. just a different. Well, you know, that's a different podcast. We should do a Bolivia podcast because it's it's kind of a if you want something out of your comfort zone, it's, it's different. It's just different. It's very di- the it's terrain very different. is different. Yeah. Getting used to it is it's different. Everything, it's, yeah. uh, Everything is just different. It's a different planet. And it's it's a must for digital nomad. We'll save that one. And maybe you even do it. I don't know. Maybe you do a solo one on that. You could probably just go for an hour. You just want me to rant for Anyways, an hour? I feel sorry. Do whatever you okay? want. Do whatever you want for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's it's good on the air as far as I know. Okay, so second food place. You had another one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's one more. It's uh, Kyoto, I would say. I, I dropped that in there as well. They got fantastic food. Just great, like the local food, right? You're not going to get all the different international food stuff there, and you don't want it because you're going to have amazing oh. uh, local food. Like every ramen is just mm, mm, amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, How about you, Jeff? Yeah, that, that sounds like a top. Okay, so uh, tops for me. If The first thing that comes to mind, again, I walk outdoors and I just want to get something good to eat. It's Mexico City. Right, just jump right mm-hmm. out of me. So, because you can get, you can get the really fine dining at very affordable prices. Some of, and they're very, very known, well known as a a top dining type of city. They they bring in mm-hmm. lots of talented chefs, so you can get very, very good food, and you can get everything in between as well. So, if you still just want to go out and like it's lunchtime, I want to get some really good tacos. You can get some really good tacos too. Just walk down the street, go to a taco stand. Going to be really, really. Unfortunately, we we did do a tasting menu in Mexico City. I don't remember the name of it. Absolutely incredible. We went to another place in Polanco, and they did a ribeye steak. Anywhere in Latin America, you can find a, a ribeye steak. It's a little little harder because they do generally fine cuts of meat, and you don't find those big old fat ones like you'd find in like Texas or the states. But they do one in Polanco have to dig up the name of it they serve it and they actually cook it on a salt brick you ever seen that before a salt brick cooking never, pan, never as no. a cooking pan that's interesting prepare no they heat up big old rock salt i mean it's a slab you guys can't see the video obviously but i've got two inch ra- slab of rock salt, and they heat this thing up to scorching hot 
and they cook it on it and they bring it out to the table. So you're just like eating off of this giant rock salt thing and it's still simmering. It is absolutely fantastic. So had zero problem finding good food in Mexico city. would recommend that to anybody that just wants to eat. Well, can't really go wrong. Other than that, I want to throw one. I want to throw the States at you. I I hate to do this because I know a lot of our listeners are North American based, but it would be unfair given the category to exclude it. Seattle is outstanding for food. The best sushi I've ever had. It's That's called Shiro's. I know. I know. I, I'm going to drop a link to it. It's called Shiro's. And you tell them that you want omakase, which is like chef's choice nigiri. And they serve to you whatever, whatever's uh, fresh caught, whatever's on their menu, whatever they're interested in at the time. But you tell them you want the special one where they just keep serving it to you until you get to 80% full. You tell them I'm 80% full and then they start to wrap up with some of the the higher end stuff. So they come out with these flights of a single fish, right? So for example, you get the tuna flight and you get the lean cut on the far left. You get the medium fatty in the middle. You get the full fatty toro on the right and you just go through flights just like that with the tuna, with the salmon, with the eel, and then you end up with a was it the tobaki the the egg nigiri at the end uh, it's like the sweet dessert incredible some of the best i've ever had and then just seattle in general you, you eat really really good food no matter where you go so satisfies that category perfectly i've put it on my bucket list yep that sounds amazing it's it's that worth it taste. you go to seattle i will meet you wherever you are and we will do it I will fly across the world to go to Shiro's again. Fair enough. So I'm just putting out the wrong destinations. That's why. That's why this isn't working. Okay. Lure me in. Lure <laughs> me in food. with sushi. Just yeah. lure me in with sushi, and doesn't matter where you are. Okay, let's go to this one's a tough one. We're doing best and worst, and I when I say worst city for food, sure, everyone's eaten bad food in a place, maybe even gotten sick, but there's we talked about this beforehand. You can't really just pick a city and say, this city sucks at food. I have never run into that, run into a few bad restaurants and cities. So when I say worst cities for food, what I'm saying is like the least diversity of food, maybe, or just the fewest good options that you had available to you. So Mm. interpret that however you want. I think that's probably the best way to do it. What's your worst city for food? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's great. I was actually stuck a little bit thinking about this one, but it probably boils back down to this little place on the coast, off the coast of, no, on the coast of, of Ecuador called Oloncito, which is really like a little party, hostly type of town. Doesn't have many food options. And yeah, it was just, you know, just because of that, like there, there wasn't much to much different stuff to eat there. There's like one place with pizza, one place with something else, nothing, nothing spectacular. And you're there for a while and and you're start, you're going to start to miss a whole lot of the food options that you usually have in other places that you go to. You know, still like decently nice stuff, but but honestly, uh, it's hard. You're you're right, Jeff. It's really hard to to decide on a place that just does yeah. not do food well. So yeah, yeah. I'll turn it back over to you. I'm gonna go. It might be kind of a shocker, but Santa Teresa, Costa Rica. I'd say because interesting. It's, uh-huh. Very yeah, expensive as well. And huh? I'm going to say extremely expensive. You're looking at the equivalent of about 15 US dollars to 18 US dollars for a plate of large ceviche. And it's like, that's yeah. 
on, a, on another planet. I, I'm going to say Santa Teresa because there was truly a lack of diversity of food. Mm-hmm. I was hoping for some, some gallo pinto. No, none of that, which is basically just like a beans and rice in a breakfast dish, which is, which is typically very good. You get it on the other side, Puerto Viejo, but you can't get it in Santa Teresa. And there was just a lack of, there was no, I didn't find any Costa Rican food there. I mean, it was like just very, very mediocre American, North American fare. And when you did find something, it was like, oh, yeah, okay, ceviche, that sounds good. It's 15 to $18 a, a bowl of it. And I had some sushi, and the sushi was very, very mediocre as well. So, at, at, which, which kind of makes sense, because if you go to Santa Teresa, you'll see that it's not really a city. It's just kind of like a street. It's a, like a very long street. And it was developed by a lot of expats. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't even, I would dare to say it's it's a bubble and it's not really Costa Rican. Oh, yeah. I'd say it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of like an expat bubble developed by expats and Costa Ricans. There's very few and far between to even find them there. So it, it kind of mm-hmm. makes sense that it's, it's this weird, like mis- mishmash of like not great food. So Santa Teresa, Costa Rica, I probably wouldn't recommend it if you're looking for a culinary fair. Mm. And that's a, that's a good way to rate it, right? If you're thinking, well, what's the combo of mediocre food and lo- like not much selection and high prices, that, that's probably got to be the worst combination that you can get as you travel. It's got to be. Yeah. And it's got to be Costa Rica, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Been there yeah. too, yeah. As much as place has got a lot of things, great things going for it. Let me just throw in that disclaimer. I love Santa Teresa. I'm not going to go there for the food. Just leave it at that. That's it. Any last thoughts on food, Diego? Any any more honorable mentions before we move categories? You know, I, I was surprised that we didn't actually ever mention Medellin in this conversation around food. And I think we didn't even mention it in coffee, which is a little bit mind-blowing. I mean, okay, people expect a lot of the, of the Colombian coffee and then maybe a little bit disappointed because there's only a few cafes that really have that great stuff. But but food, Medellin has a fantastic food scene, not expensive at all. A lot of both the local meals are really great there and, and the international stuff that's being done there too, all, all you know, really high quality. So yeah, I would throw that one in. I don't know how that slipped our radar, honestly, uh, because you yeah, know? you can go to, let's drop that in the show notes, OCI, who your girlfriend Aura put me on to yeah. the first time I met you oh, guys. I- one of the probably the highest end restaurants that you're going to find in the area. And they'll do like a slow cooked uh, pork shoulder or pork butt. It's it's something like that. Yeah. It's pork something, but it's incredible. (laughs) Fall off the bone, fatty with a gravy on top of it. And it's the most expensive thing you can get on the menu. And it is the equivalent of maybe 15 to 20 us dollars for the best meal that you can get in Colombia, which Fantastic! When you get fantastic foods at insanely affordable prices, I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. Medellin, great mention. Great mention to wrap yeah, that one up. You, you know um, what, Jeff? I will actually throw one more in there because it is so recent and it was mind-blowing. This happened yesterday, literally last night. We're here in Dahab. Dahab and yeah, I realized mm-hmm. it's not Dahab. It's Dahab, apparently, according to locals. Oh. And it, there's this place called Z- Zanuba, Z-A-N-O-O-B-A, 
And it's also, as you were saying, slow cooking, it's, it's all about slow cooking. You have to let them know early in the day what you want to eat. And then they're going to start preparing it for hours and hours. And then you get there and, Oh my God, we were there with 20 people. We had all of the different slow cooked meals that they had from duck Ooh. through to beef, through to chicken in these metal casseroles and the gravies just, you know, it's so dark and rich and like, it was, it was my, oh. what a flavor. It was mind blowing. And this guy, he's, you know, he's, he's telling you about how this is his grandma's recipe and this other pieces, this re- recipe that he got from when he was traveling around the UK. He's an Egyptian guy with this perfect english yeah just f- fantastic honestly what an experience mm. so uh drop that on there as well as a as a great honorable mention okay got it got it oh and just because people may ask why are we not talking about columbia for coffee well it's interesting it's a very very mix, mixed bag because columbia produces very good coffee and then they export all the good coffee and then they yeah the locals will drink the crap leftovers at juan valdez right? yeah no, what i learned true. It's kind yeah, of, kind of so sad, it's, right? but it's kind of sad. You you have to work to find uh, decent coffee a little bit, but you go to Colombia, go to Medi- uh, go to um, El Poblado, and then go to Pergamino. That's probably. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I don't remember the name of the place where you and I got the espresso flight. That was pretty good too. Interesting. <laughs> that day we were buzzed. <laughs> yep. I was jacked. <laughs> I was, I was, I was ready to work until midnight. My team said he, he never got that much work done, so they were very happy with yeah. Jeff there. <laughs> they said yeah. Jeff, Jeff made Diego do a lot of work. <laughs> I was on fire. It was great. I was on fire. <laughs> okay, last category. Let's jump into alcohol. Diego, not a big drinker. You're not going to be as useful in this category as you were in the coffee. But we're gonna we're gonna do our best because I have seen you have cocktails before. I've seen you drink wine before, so I know you got something in your bag here. Let's start with best city for. We're gonna go three categories. You're gonna go cocktails, wine, and beer. So, what is your best city for cocktails? Yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna spend too much time on it because I am not the the pro and the expert. I used to do cocktails. You know what? Funny actually. I used to uh, do cocktails when I was at, at university. I was actually uh, selling cocktails on campus. That was my first official business. So at that time, I was still really into them. Fast forward. I'm gonna go with I think Medellin. Just again the the options that are out there. There's cocktails everywhere. Some are good. Some are crappy. But you're gonna find a bunch of great ones as well. And again, if you're looking at like price price value quality all that, Medellin's a, a good spot, right? I am sure, Jeff, you're going to give us a way, way better, more informed idea, but that's just my sort of mid-level two cents. It's not a bad choice at all. Medellin, especially, again, going to OCI, they make a really nice cocktail there. Mm-hmm. Some fancy ones, yeah. too. Yeah. I think that's actually, yeah, I think that's a, a pretty, pretty good choice. Best cocktails. I would say there's a place in, again, Mexico City for me is is getting a clean sweep across a couple of these categories. Mexico City has a place called Gin Gin, and they specialize in gin, and specifically lots of like custom specialty gin cocktails. And they will bring mm-hmm. them out in, in all the bougie, hipster-type ways that you would ever want or not want to see with the cup with the smoke in it. And they lift the cup up and the smoke pours out. And then there's rosemary pouring out of the top. And everything fancy that you can possibly think of. And it's, I would dare to say, one of the only places in Mexico where you can spend like high-end San Francisco or Boston or New York prices on a cocktail. So it is fairly expensive. You could drop 10 to 15 US dollars, the equivalent, on a cocktail. But 
it's again going to be it's renowned for being one of the best cocktail places around so yeah jinjin jinjin mexico city oh that's good to know. worst i'm gonna say it, it's hard again to do to do worst but i would say miami miami beach made me a cocktail it's back in june of last year was undrinkable. It, it it was poison. It's like the equivalent of the jungle juice that you'd run into at a college party that you have no idea what went in there. It could have been sock sweat. It could have been gin. It could have been motor oil. You have no idea. I think all of those things were in my cocktail on Miami Beach for the low, low price of $16 oh. Miami Beach. I'm throwing a big middle finger at you. I was very disappointed with all of your fare. <laughs> Do you have a worst cocktail that comes to mind? Uh, so it's you tough, know, tough one. To... I'm, it's a really, really tough one. I mean, I'm just going to throw out, I think, a, a, look, I'm dodging the question. I'm going to go with Oman. They don't really do cocktails there. Uh, you don't really have cocktails because of the alcohol ban <clears throat> or the fact that basically mm-hmm. you don't drink much alcohol. But juices, you know, what's really surprising in general in the Middle East is that they've created this culture around having these fancy, basically, I don't know what you call them, virgin cocktails or mocktails, basically just juices, but not just, you know, squeezed orange juice, but like the whole thing, right? So they make it look like a cocktail. So yeah, for those of you who aren't into all the alcoholic stuff, the Middle East has some awesome juice options wherever you go. And it's actually like a cultural thing where you'll be like, oh, let's go out for a juice. (laughs) Just like we would go out for a cocktail. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we got best juices. We got best juices. And that was in Oman? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, call it best juices or worst cocktail because the cocktail tends to have alcohol in it. But there you go. Okay. That would make it a bad cocktail. Right. Okay. So let's go last two categories. We're going to go into wine. And I'm actually going to completely bow out of this category because I'm going to completely disservice this, this question because I have no idea what a good wine or a bad wine is you could feed me vinegar i would probably get an idea that it's bad wine but even that's a little iffy so let me just lend this category to you because i have no idea what i'm talking about perfect yeah well great wines i'm gonna go with the classics i learned to really drink wine in, in buenos aires in, in argentina that was like what four years ago the malbecs i don't remember the particular brand that we did but you know most of the malbecs there are going to be really really great and just ask any Argent- Argentinian there wants your recommendation on a great Malbec and you know their pride will force them to give you truly the best stuff that's that's around so um, that's a great one and then going to Florence we had in Italy in general but Florence is, is obviously wine area wine region we had some incredible wines there as well and so you can kind of work your way through a bunch of different ones there uh, there too so yeah different very different types different types of wines but I also did a little wine tasting in Florence as well went to a castle slash vineyard and was fairly surprised at how much I enjoyed the wine there. Just still didn't know anything about it, but I was surprised by how how much I <laughs> enjoyed it. It was, a, it was like a little Chianti tour, I think. Last category. This one's going to be, I'm going to dominate this one. It's beer, because I know this is I not your jam. Are you 100% out? You're tapping out. 100% out. Yeah, there's there is nothing I can contribute to that, my friend. Okay. All right. All right. So best city for, I'm going to actually, I'm going to go broad and narrow and narrow all the way from best country. I'm going to say best country is Belgium. I think, and you have to like Belgian beers to actually make this work for you. I love Belgian beers. And I think that the country is similar to like going to Romania for coffee. It's really, really hard to go wrong when you go somewhere to try a Belgian beer anywhere in Belgium. Best city, I'm going to say, is Bruges. 
again, very, very specialty types of beers there. And one place, two places in particular. I'm going to tell you about two places really quickly. The first one is called Degar, and I'll send out the link to that. Actually, I don't really want anybody going there because it's special for me. But I'm going to tell you, Degar <laughs> is a local spot. Yeah, I we're, and we're, we're getting hundreds of listeners at this point now. So it's actually not going to be a secret. I used to make a joke that, ah, you know, all six people and my mom are hearing my podcast. At that point, it's not true. We might actually, I might have bumped into some some people in my bar. Anyways, Degar is a local spot. And I read about it. So I wanted to find the local the places that the locals went, not places that tourists went and they said it was down this little alleyway that's hard to find and up this little ramp that's hard to find and in a tiny little almost looks like a very cozy cottage so i i make my way out to try to find this said little cottage and they weren't kidding it was like a tiny little alleyway that you barely even notice in between of course a chocolate shop and of course like a little trinket shop which what you'd expect in bruges and you walk down this alley and it's unlabeled. So I walked back and forth past the opening of this thing like six times. And then I notice it up there and I walk in. I'm all, oh, damn. Okay, there we go. And walk up the stairs and sit down in a corner. And it is very much like a cottage, like you'd expect with like wood, everything, the fireplace and the classical music playing. And Belgians there at noon getting shit faced wonderful we're talking about like embracing other people's cultures not projecting your own expectations on it my expectations match their culture it was perfect it's like a perfect alignment <laughs> you found your home <laughs> yeah i did i did so i sit down and as anywhere you go in belgium i asked for the menu and they bring out a bible an entire booklet that's like maybe an inch thick of of recipe of, of different types of beer only and I looked at the guy and a lot of it's in, in Flemish. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he says, all you need to do is you need to have the Vandegar triple. I'm like, oh, okay. So he brings this thing out with some cheese to go with it. And it's a Vandegar triple. It's a 10.5% beer with uh, a little bit of cheese. So you're getting toasted. You have two of these things. It tastes phenomenal. yet absolutely freaking toasted. You're in a great environment. It is the best bar in the world for me. Love that place. After I left that first place, I went right next door. There's a place called Tabirche. I'm sure I blew the name of that one, but I'll send out. You can pronounce it however you want. Tabirche is like tap room. And so they don't make their own beer, but they source all the best beers in the world. And you can get other than Belgian if you don't like Belgians. And I saw this. This was uh, four years ago now. I saw this English dude that comes there and I was drinking with the guy and he's telling me about all these beers i thought i knew beer and he's like do you see that beer right there that's interesting that's like a tiny little italian and belgian collaboration they did six bottles of it i'm like oh my god this guy is on another planet from me i <laughs> i am way out of my i'm out of my element out of my league and i'm getting toasted i'd already been at the other bar so i go into the bathroom i'm looking myself in the mirror and i slap myself in the face i said you represent america you pull your shit together jeff I went back out there and I had another beer and I stumbled home. <laughs> we are so and, proud uh, of you, Jeff. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And then, and then I go back three years later because I wanted to show my brother this because he's a big drink, beer drinker as well. Followed the same route, went to Degar, went to this place. And I sat in the same seat and I hear this familiar voice and I look over and I see the same exact haircut. And it was the same dude 
three years later just happened to be there didn't even live in the city was from that's england amazing. it was fate it was fate that's so yeah bruges best beer in the world Degar, best bar in the world i'm gonna say flat out and yeah we could we could end it on the worst beer there's again it's hard to say well like worst worst food i'm just gonna say lack of options i'd say anytime you go latin america they're they're really working their way up they're trying but for the most part you're just gonna find like mass-produced lagers kind of thing like you go to costa rica and you're gonna get imperial what kind of beer are you getting imperial or lager it's like all right you have two selections i will say a big tip of the cap to mexico city they're doing a lot of work in getting specialty beer I found some places in Costa Rica doing some specialty beers. Well, even a few places in Colombia, it is spreading across the world at faster and slower paces from one place to another. That is it. We made it through coffee, food, and alcohol in a little under an hour. I have no idea if people are interested in this. I love doing this podcast, Diego. I've been wanting Look, to Jeff, do it for for months now. I'm glad that we did this. We did. Yeah, it was. It was just in there, and and we kept on getting in trouble for with with Marissa because she said, "No, no, we're not going to talk about this in this podcast." So she finally said, "Okay, you guys get to have your own podcast. You can you can rant about that." And I'm glad I'm glad we did it. I I think we will feel more at ease now in our in our next podcast. So yeah, we don't. We're not going to feel like we're going to have to just like shoehorn our conversations of coffee into you know best scenic places. Yeah, oh, I remember a time in the most beautiful place I've ever been that I had this cup of coffee and then Marissa has to wrangle us back in. I'm, I'm glad it's, I'm, I'm glad it's out. It's out in the wild now and everybody has it. This was fun. Appreciated it. And I think I'm actually going to be into beer. So that was just, okay. thank you, All Jeff. right. I want to yes. get a shot. Okay. I'm going to go to Bruges. Okay. Let's, oh, okay. Just, just like Seattle, I will meet you. I will meet you. You just, you got to win me over with, with food and drink. <laughs> this is how we do it. If you started with food and drink, you might have you might have got me. <laughs> All right, everybody, that was best coffee, food, and alcohol. Thanks for joining us today on the Digital Nomad Experts, powered by Beach Commute. Jeff and Diego signing off. Cheers. Take care. All right, that is a wrap on this episode. We hope that you enjoyed listening. If you are interested in becoming a digital nomad, in other words, having a job that you can do remotely while you travel the world, travel to amazing destinations, then check out our Go Remote Employment course at beachcommute.com slash GRE. We love the course. It teaches you everything you need to know to figure out which remote job is right for you, regardless if you already have those skills or not. It teaches you where to find those remote job opportunities, how to negotiate with employers to ensure that they're okay with you traveling the world while you're getting your work done, how to nail the interview, get the job, and begin traveling the world. So again, if this is interesting to you, check out beachcommute.com slash GRE to join fellow beach commuters inside that Go Remote Employment course. And we hope to see you somewhere traveling the world very soon. Have a great day. Yeah.